Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Then Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last week, we began a series about one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible, the parable of the prodigal son. We learned that the word prodigal means to be extravagant, to the point of being wasteful. And we saw that in the younger son and used him as a foil to ask ourselves the same question. Have there been ways that we have been wasteful with with the freedom that God has given us or with our relationships or with our words? As we continue the series today on Father's Day, we turn our attention squarely to the father in the story. And there we see an altogether different kind of extravagance. In John chapter 14, Jesus tells us that he has come to give us a glimpse into who the Father is. And here in Luke chapter 15, we find Jesus telling a story about a father. A story that if we pay close attention, will help us understand more about God, more about being a good dad. And more about an extravagant kind of love. So if you've got your Bibles, 
I want to invite you to grab them and open them with me to Luke chapter 15 as we walk through this passage together and discover more about who our Father in heaven is. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11, we read this. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. The first thing we learn about the father in the story of the prodigal son is that the father gives extravagantly. We saw this last week as we talked about this part of the story The young man didn't ask for what belonged to him. He asked for what one day would belong to him. It still belonged to the father. The father was under no obligation to give this to the son, but the father gives extravagantly. This week I've been thinking a lot about my own father and about the ways that he has given to our family. I've shared with you before that my dad is a restaurant manager, has been his whole life. It's really hard work. Some of you have worked in restaurants and you know. And he didn't always enjoy the work. But he did it. He sacrificed. He sacrificed in order to be able to give to us. There was no question in my family, there was no question that I was going to go to college one day. That was just kind of expected. And, and for me, it was, it was the right thing. My parents led me in the right direction with that. Years after I'd finished college, I found out that not only had my parents worked very hard to get me to the place that I I was ready to go to college, but my dad had actually taken out something called a parent's loan to help pay for my education, in addition to working so hard to make money to provide for our family, he took out a loan. I don't know what your relationship with your dad was like. Some of our dads were absent and some of them were hurtful. Mine worked himself to the bone to provide for his family. I'm grateful to all the dads out there who do hard things day in and day out so that they too can give extravagantly. You know, the greatest thing that the father was willing to give the son in the story, though, wasn't the fortune. It was the Father himself. It was the gift of the Father's own presence. Sometimes I have to remind myself of that as a busy dad. That of all the things I can provide to my kids, among the most important is me. Our our time, our attention. In the story of the prodigal son, the Father gave more than the Son had a right to. And our Father in heaven certainly still does. The Father still gives extravagantly. But if we continue the story, we find out more about who the Father is. Beginning in verse 13. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. 
He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating. Yet no one gave him anything. The second thing we learn about the father in the story is that the father allows freedom. We talked about this briefly last week that God gives us freedom and we can choose to use that freedom in ways that are creative and life-giving and beautiful or we can choose to use that freedom in ways that tear ourselves or other people down. God gives us freedom. And, And to do that, God in some sense limits God's own authority in this one area, the area of human freedom. And perhaps there's a lesson there. A wisdom in knowing what we can control and what we can't. I felt it these last few weeks, these last few months. The limits of our control. We can't control a virus. We can't control what someone else says or or does. It's been a lot these Recent weeks and months that's felt outside of our control. And I've been reminded this week of that beautiful prayer written by Reinhold Niebuhr that's become known as the serenity prayer. Many of us are familiar with the first few lines. It says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. But that's not where the prayer ends. Niebuhr wrote more, and here's what he said. Living one day at a time. Enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right. If I surrender to his will. So I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever and ever in the next. This may not be the best parenting tactic when I have a toddler, but one of the things we see the father doing is when the the son reached a certain age, the father gave him freedom to make his own decisions. And the father trusted that in the end, the son would find his way home again. And when he did, the father had compassion. Look at verse 17. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still a far way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. The father had compassion. The son 
had an entire speech prepared to give to his parents. Did you ever do that? I did. I couldn't have been more than 16 years old. Driving home from youth group one Wednesday night, we lived in Tennessee, a lot of hills, a lot of curves. I went around this curve in our 1989 Cutlass Sierra and hit some gravel and the car spun around. Now, I didn't hit anything and nobody hit me, but it definitely scared me. I straightened the car and and got home quickly just a moment or two later. I remember running into the kitchen, terrified that my parents were going to be angry that something had happened with the car. And I just started to say, I'm so sorry, this, 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 this curve. And before I, before I could tell my story, my dad had his arms around me. Just glad that his son was okay. The story of the prodigal son, the boy, he prepared a speech. He was ready to throw himself at the father's mercy, but the dad wouldn't even allow him to finish. This is the heart of this story, by the way. There's so much, so much to learn. But if we miss this, we miss the story of the prodigal son. Have you been away? Maybe, maybe we haven't squandered our gifts the same way that the prodigal did. Perhaps we've simply allowed other things to become the heart of our lives. And we're finding in this moment that those other things, our jobs, our houses, our stuff, our vacation, our status, that pursuing these things it leaves our souls famished. There's so much to learn from this story, but nothing is more important than this. When we decide to come home again, the Father won't even let us finish our speech. God won't knock down the barriers we erect unless we ask God to, but when we do, we can't even get the words out before the Father lays claim to us again. So maybe today you're gathered with your family. I want to invite you to reach out and grab one of their hands. Maybe you're worshiping today by yourself. Just want to remind you you're not alone. I wonder if, if we might together as people, the people of God, a people called Ebenezer, if we might be willing in this moment to pray together. Something like this. Father, there have been times that we've sinned, we've hurt you and we've hurt one another. Forgive us. We need your peace. And we long for you to be at the center of our lives and our life together. In Jesus' name, amen.
if we prayed that prayer and listened closely enough, we may have just heard heaven rejoice. You see, that's the next thing we learned about the Father. The Father rejoices. Look again at verse 22. The Father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. As I noted earlier, man, I've, these last few months, they've, they've been hard. And maybe there have been times that we all have felt like shouting or weeping or giving up. And that's why we need to know. We need to know that Luke 15 isn't just about the lost things being found. In every single instance that a lost thing is found, what we also have to see is how rejoicing took place. When the woman found the coin, she rejoiced. When the shepherd found the lost sheep, he rejoiced. When the father found the son again, he rejoiced. It isn't just that we experience joy when we are in the presence of God. My brothers and sisters, can you believe it? God experiences joy when we choose to be in God's presence. We find joy in the Father. The Father finds joy in us. And God expects that we will share our joy and love with one another. That's the next thing we learn. The Father expected His children to love one another. Look at verse 25. Now His elder son was in the field... When he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of his slaves and asked, what's going on? He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all of these years, I've been working like a slave for you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. Had to celebrate and rejoice, said the father. It wasn't just the father who was expected to celebrate. It was the entire household. We'll talk more about the older son next week, but here's what this interaction teaches us about the father. The father expected his children to love one another. 
As a dad, I can tell you that one of the most beautiful things in the world is seeing my children play together. (laughs) And one of the most frustrating is when they fight. The father expected the sons to love each other. One had made a slew of mistakes. The other was self-righteous. Neither was perfect. Both owed everything they had to the Father. And the Father expected them to love one another. But you see, it isn't just that the Father expected it. The Father modeled it. That's the final thing we see here in Jesus' glimpse of the Father. That the Father loved extravagantly. He not only received the younger son, he went in search of the older son. One boy had squandered a fortune, the other took it for granted, but the Father sought reconciliation with them both. Both of these children were in the wrong. But the father sought relationship with them anyway. Yeah, the word prodigal means to be extravagant to the point of almost being wasteful. <clears throat> so who's the most extravagant in this story? It's the father. It has always been the father. It's the Father who loves us when we're disobedient. The Father who loves us when we pout. It's God who reaches out. God who never stops scanning the horizon for a glimpse of His children. There's a a word for it, a big old fancy theological word. It's called prevenient. Prevenient grace. And that big word simply means this. That God is constantly at work to bring wandering hearts back home again. And the measure the Father has gone to, to bring us home again, indicates a love that we could describe as nothing less than extravagant. This is the picture that Jesus gives us of His Father. A father who is giving. A father who shares freedom. A father who's compassionate and joyful. A father who not only expects his children to love one another, but models that love for them. That's the picture of God that Jesus gives us. And today... I'm so very grateful for all of the dads that are striving to model their lives on these behaviors. But above all, I'm grateful for a God who models them for us each moment and who shares with us a love that is nothing less than extravagant.
I hope you join with us next week as we conclude this series. For many of us, the story of the older son is one of the most difficult but important that we need to hear. Thanks for being with us today in worship in this time of teaching. And my brothers and sisters, let us take a moment and give thanks for the extravagant love of our Father. Would you pray with me? It has always been you, O God. You've always been scanning the horizons, watching and waiting for our wandering hearts. Father, in this moment, we pray that you would give us grace to come back home. Perhaps there's just a small part of us that we've been keeping from you, but in this moment, give us your grace to give it over to you. Accept our confession. Grant us your pardon and compassion. And let us share in your joy. when what has been lost is found. In this moment, we revel, O God, in your tremendous and perfect and beautiful love for us. Let us know it and feel it and experience it. And in turn, Help us to share your extravagant love in every way, at every time, so that others may come back home too. In the name of our great Father, his blessed Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.